Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, to the Hammer and Rails podcast, back once again with you after a two-week absence. I am your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And uh, before we get into the topics, I just want to address the slander <laughs> uh, from last week. Kyle basically said that this isn't uh, the Andrew and Casey podcast, it's basically the Casey podcast, and I just feel like I need to respond, I need to defend myself. Week one wasn't my fault, uh, Xfinity had, in fact, assured me that all I needed to do was plug in my equipment and I would have internet. Uh, turns out this house has never had Xfinity before, uh, despite them looking. And there was a cable, but it was apparently broken, so there was no uh, actual connection for them to use Xfinity. So that one, I, I say, is not on me. And so the next you one, trusted Xfinity and you want us to blame someone else. No, 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 no. No, no, no. If you'll recall, I told you, I said... We should probably record on Friday because I don't trust Xfinity to give me internet on Saturday or Sunday. And then and, you said I was being a nice guy. You were moving the next yeah. day. Yes. So Friday didn't really work out. But yeah, but I would have done it if I had to. But you were like, let's just do it this weekend. Yeah, but and now I was you're like, still okay. married. So. Yes. Well, okay. You make a fair point. <laughs> and then the next week I was on the road in, in driving to Indiana. So – Kyle was nice enough to fill in, and here I was going to compliment on what a nice job he did, but then he went ahead and took a hatchet to my knees, and about the first ten seconds he was on the air. <laughs> so. I mean, I only instructed him to do that a little bit. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad I've got a good partner here. <laughs> That's what you look for when you start a podcast empire. <laughs> All right. So tonight we are going to cover three stories we want to touch on. Uh, first, the NCAA losing at the Supreme Court. Woo! Then, right? That's a big news. Then the NCAA allowing the name, image, and likeness changes that went into effect on July 1. Double woo indeed. And the last thing we want to talk about, of course, is the under-19 FIBA World Cup, which just finished up today, uh, just a few hours ago. Give me me some space here. I'm going to woo for each Purdue player involved. Okay. Woo! 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 All right. Three woos. Love to see it. Um, Of course, all three Purdue players did medal in in that tournament, so that is great news for Purdue. going forward into next season. But Casey, before we get into it, I do have a question for you. Hit me with it. All right. This is relevant to the sports world, not the Purdue world necessarily. We uh, all saw the images of Connor McGregor's leg last night. Uh, pretty terrible looking. Uh, so that got me thinking, what is the worst in-game sports injury you've seen? I had to be there in person. No, no, no. Like, you just have seen it watching, or, you know, you saw it the next day, you saw a replay. You don't have to be there in person. I guess I'm going to say probably, uh, was his name Ware for Louisville? Oh, yes. With the bone sticking out? That was pretty yeah. bad. That one was awful. That was not great. I'd forgotten about that one. Yeah, I'm going to oh, go with that. I w- yeah. You know, I was there covering the game when Haas broke his elbow, but honestly, it was just a really loud sound. It's not something yeah. you could visually see and there was no bone protruding from the skin so probably gonna have to give it to wear yeah legs are always the worst Mm. because like you know you break an arm and often you can't see it like with Haas's elbow like you said but when you break a leg it is often just like hanging there um so it's it's always the worst the worst one that I can think of and this is not like you know a basketball player a football player this is a pro wrestler uh, the pro wrestler who went by the name Sid Vicious, he jumped off uh, the top rope or the turnbuckle, and he landed on his leg. I do remember hit, this. Oh my god, his leg just snapped like a like a fence door, just like swinging up on him. And then the other wrestler, I, I, if I remember correctly, just like crawled over and pinned him just as fast as he could. And then just like, oh my gosh, I think I've watched that video like a hundred times because I'm a masochist, but it is one, it is one of the worst things I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't have the stomach for watching those. Um, I was very mad when they held the camera on Dak Prescott's leg ankle last year. Oh yeah. I don't want to see it. I don't need to see it. Uh, there's no reason to see it. Yeah. There's no reason to stay on it, but I mean th- these, you know, oftentimes it's things that they're just they're filming the player and then something goes terribly wrong. Yeah, you don't need to you don't need to linger on the player's face or his leg or the injury itself, but just when you see it in that instant, man, it it can be pretty rough. I, I tell you what, we both watched uh, Black Widow last night separately. Yeah. Um my girlfriend when the arm wrestling scene happened. Oh yeah. Uh, oh. literally almost vomited on the couch. <laughs> I I think I yelled out, "Oh Jesus." Yeah. At that point, I had a like I had an inkling it was going to happen, but it still happened, and you're just like, "Oh, that's a jello arm." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You you never want to see an arm coming up look like that. That's that's not good for you. No. All so, right. Yeah. So now that we've got that out of the way, um, we can get into really the meat of the the topics tonight. The first two are really related. Um, by this point, I'm sure you've all seen that the NCAA did lose at the Supreme Court. Uh, the, you couldn't say that sentence enough. Like, I know. I just hope it continues to happen, which really it continuing to happen is really what I want to bring up, because 
if you look at the opinion, it's really narrow in scope. They basically say that the NCAA uh, cannot prevent colleges from giving educational benefits. Um, so it's not really a, a backbreaking case for the NCAA. They're talking about, you know, I find it weird. One of the examples they've always given uh, in these news reports is like, well, you know, if somebody, if an athlete is a, is a, a musician, they can't stop them from giving them an instrument. It's like, how often does that happen? Hmm. That's, that doesn't seem like a, a very um, good example of something that's actually going to happen, but that's one they keep throwing out. So basically it's, you know, players are allowed to now receive educational equipment, assistance, so like laptops, um, tutors, things, you know, more tutors, I guess. They, I mean, they all get tutors anyway, but they talked about like, for whatever reason, like I said, they brought up musical instruments, which I found weird. But again, it's a good thing. Um, it allows players to to be treated a little more fairly, so I think it's good news. Um, but the the thing that stood out to me was um, the concurrence from uh, Justice Kavanaugh. This is exactly what I was going to say. That probably yeah. be the only time in your life and my life where we both agree <laughs> uh, hand and fist with Kavanaugh. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those even a blind uh, squirrel finds an acorn every now and then. Mm-hmm. So. That was that was my biology teacher in in high school said that all the time uh, when a dumb kid said something that was that was right. So oh. yeah, he he was a crazy guy. Loved mm. him. loved him. He was great. Um, Doesn't seem super encouraging. No, well, I mean, he wouldn't say it to the kid. He would come over to the table of the smarter kids and whisper it. I think that that's what kind of guy he was. Eh, well, you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Well, so you are the liberal. <laughs> I do live on the East Coast, so it's hard to. It's hard to combat that uh, that stereotype, and I I am sitting in my newly purchased home as a millennial, so I am truly living the highest of high lives with brownstones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So if if you follow the Supreme Court, um, if you're a, a legal nerd like I am, one of the things you always look for is when there are these big cases, especially if it's as overwhelming on one side um, as the Supreme Court or as this uh, NCAA case was. You look at the concurring opinions. So these are people who they they agree with the majority. They say, yes, you know, the school should be able to provide this benefit. I agree. And then they'll write a separate opinion called a concurring opinion to basically say, I agree with the majority, but I would have done it X, Y, Z. And what Kavanaugh says is basically I would go much further. Um, he actually was more or less saying I encourage future litigation uh, against the NCAA because he believes that the athletes are not treated fairly uh, based on compensation and uh, other monetary issues. So that to me is a huge look at um, what the future of the NCAA before the Supreme Court could look like. Now, I'm always curious, and we kind of talked to you on the side about this. These things happen, and it kind of just seems like it happens all of a sudden. There's a ruling. There's a you know finite deadline. But this has obviously been you know working up over the years. What is is this going to be a kind of like water snowball effect where this one thing is happening now? They're just going to rush to the court and we're going to get in the next what one three five years a ton of rulings that do absolutely uh, flip over what we think of as the NCAA. Yeah, that's a good question. So generally what would happen is especially when a when a Supreme Court justice, especially one like like Kavanaugh right now who is in the majority, 
Um, you know, obviously this case was not a. Well, not I, mean, a I was always told that judges in the Supreme Court, particularly, are not at all a political affair. Yes, they just call balls and strikes. They okay. never, never insert their own beliefs into anything. Okay. So, it, it, when a when a judge writes a concurrence like, uh, sorry, a justice writes a concurrence like this, it often is a signal to litigants that, hey, if you bring this case. I am interested, and I will take a look at it, and I'm sympathetic to what you're looking to do. So you've already seen stories about lawyers um, who have not necessarily a vendetta against the NCAA, but who've always believed that the NCAA is unfair and who treats the athletes unfairly are already looking for for litigants to sue the NCAA. Um, Now, the question becomes is who has standing – as an athlete, do you have to be a current athlete to sue the NCAA, or can you be uh, a past athlete? So that is going to impact the timing of it all, because it does take you know a, a year, more than a year, to get your case from the beginning all the way up to the Supreme Court. It's probably going to take two to three years, because you've got all your appeals and you've got your intermediate courts to get up to the Supreme Court. Now, is there a chance that the court does this pragmatically where they first open it up to the obvious present and to be athletes. And then they can come back and review whether uh, athletes of the past can say they've had their rights, uh, you know, taken away or what they should have had and then sue them later. I mean, in theory, yes, but I mean, the, the O'Bannon case was kind of that already. Um, the O'Bannon case you'll remember was the, the guy who played basketball and saw himself um, in in the NCAA basketball game and realized, hey, I'm not getting paid for this, but this guy is me. Um, and that's why – basically that's why the NCAA um, football and basketball games no longer exist uh, because they, they were basically told, you know, if you're going to do this, you've got to pay people for their likeness. And the NCAA was like, oh, well, we're not doing that. Um, so the question becomes who has standing? And – you know, if if a lawyer really, really wants to do this, the thinking, you know, for me would be to grab someone who's 17, 18 years old going into college now. That way, you know, especially somebody who maybe you can guarantee is going to stay three years, four years, um, maybe somebody who's not going to be a star, but who, you know, maybe is a, a starter on a basketball team or a starter on a football team, because honestly, the bigger the name probably the better it is because it'll get more attention for that attorney and for that case. So as they go through the court, if they can prove, you know, this, this guy is on the, you know, whatever North Carolina basketball team, North Carolina is making this much money and he's not getting anything out of it. You bring that case up to somebody like Kavanaugh, who is an ardent sports fan and has already signaled that he is willing and able and ready to strike down parts of the amateurism of the NCAA, uh, you've got a real good shot of kind of bringing this whole system down. And and that could be a really exciting thing for these athletes. But there's tons of questions about where we would go after that. So more important, well, as important. So does that mean NCAA football for PlayStation and Xbox? On the table? Going to come out next year? Oh, yeah. They've already announced that, haven't they? True. But are we going to be able to have players now? Are they going to be able to... Um, oh, oh, I see. Both get agreements with the NCAA and then what? Also talk with the players and throw them money to get approved? So, 
I don't think they've announced how they're actually going to do it yet. I know there are actually a handful of teams who've already said they won't participate, one of which being Notre Dame, which no would be – No one cares. Well, I, I know we'd love to think that, but especially for the football game, that's going to be a big blow for a lot of people because, you know, even though we hate them, there are a lot of Notre Dame football fans out there. So that is an interesting question because it becomes, are they going to just put out the football game with, you know, here are the Big Ten schools, but the players are nothing like the current players? Because, again, according to the, the O'Bannon case, they can't just put a player out that be like, has the exact attributes of, you know, a David Bell, a Rondale Moore, um, a George Karloftis. They can't just put a player that looks exactly like him, has the same attributes, plays the same position, and, you know, same, you know, skin tone, same hair, same, like, visor, or if they wear a wristband, things like that. They can't do that because that's clearly based on the player, and that's based on their image. And if they do that, they do have to pay the player now. And with the NCAA changing the name, image, and likeness rules, it's possible that they, EA could try to make deals with individual big-name players. And that is a good se- segue into our second topic about the change in the name, image, and likeness. And before we get into... Does uh, a good segue become bad if you mention it being a good segue? No, I, I think it just makes it point out how great it is, and you okay. don't want to let those pitches go by. you got to swing at them. So <laughs> I think before we get into what we each think about the NIL, which I'm going to say NIL because it's much easier. Name, image, and likeness is quite a mouthful. I just want to point out how poorly done this was by the NCAA. They had fought this for years, saying it would destroy college athletics. There's no way we can do this. It's impossible. Um, and then when individual states pass the law, they're like, well, we just won't, you know, we'll have to see. We're not condoning this. Maybe Congress should step in. And then, uh, Mark Emeritt, he's the president or whatever his name or his title is at the NCAA was basically like, no, we don't need to do this. This is a bad idea. And then after that Supreme Court case, it was within what three weeks when all of a sudden they're like, I don't know. They just put their hands up and let it go. I mean, Emirate has done the NCAA no favors and has run that organization terribly. He's been a joke of a president. I mean, they've made money. Yeah, okay. And he's a punching I'm... bag. They're running the Goodell, the Roger Goodell playbook. They worked expand great on, for... ex- Expand on that. What do you mean? The only thing owners and like these top people care about is making money. If they have one solitary person who seems to be uh, so against the public trend that takes all the shots while still making them loads of money, that's a win-win for them. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so like a fall guy, but he doesn't yeah. actually fall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it's the same way almost every business is structured. You know, you, you like Xfinity. You, you want to complain to someone, but what are you going to do? Call and yell at some poor person making $10 an hour on the phone lines? Yeah. I and <laughs> You know, I actually had to do that, but I didn't yell because I do always feel bad for those people. Because it's a it, bad job, Levin. Yeah, it's a terrible I did job. It for an afternoon. It, oh gosh, it, and it's not those people's fault. You know, they're not the ones who did this. But it was like I had three people individually tell me that there was going when when I finally got an appointment and someone's going to come fix the cable. They said, "Don't worry, this wasn't your fault. The cable itself was broken. You will not be charged an installation fee." I had three different people tell me. I took screenshots of the chat where they told me that, and then I get my bill, and hmm. there's a $100, $100 installation fee. Of course there is. 
So I was like, oh, my God. So I had to call, and then it took 45 minutes on the phone. And each person, I was like, I was like, look, I'm not mad at you. I'm frustrated at this situation. So I, I'm sorry if I sound rude. And it's like you got to do this whole thing because, again, it's not their fault. I'm mad at Mr. Xfinity. Whoever that is. I have no idea who's in charge of Xfinity. We've built a culture with no accountability, Ledman. It's working great. <laughs> well, for certain people, it certainly is. Um, so what do you think is going to be the biggest change we see out of these NIL deals? I do think there's going to be a divide. Yeah, that's I almost should, I, hard. That's, I do think that's impossible to, to avoid a divide. I, did, I, I don't know. I think the school... I, I don't know if it's going to have a real effect. I think it might get more kids into college. I think um, you're going to see maybe something like 3 to 10% stay longer because they can make some money while they're doing it. I think you're going to find communities that are creative and capable of sponsoring full teams uh, are going to have more long-term success because they're going to have these pathways that they can show their student athletes that, hey, you can make money doing it this way. You don't have to work that hard for it. Um, this community already loves the team. They're going to love you as soon as you put on the jersey. Um. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's some money you're going to make that you earn on your likeness. You get to control your image. It's going to be really important. Uh, sports information directors, uh, they're going to have a whole new list of stuff on their plate because they are going to kind of be de facto agents for these kids at times. Um, really help them get onto this social media gravy train kind of stuff. And I think, I, I don't think we're going to know for a couple of years. Uh, everyone's going to try it out. We're going to see some people be really successful at it, but I, I think it's good that the players will get way more say in themselves. I think it's whatever programs can adapt to that and not be bitter about it are going yeah. to succeed going forward. Because we're not we're not going to go backwards from here. No, no. There's, there's, no, way, no, way to, there's no way to put the genie back in the yeah, bottle. You don't give that and then someone be like, yeah, sure, no, we'll give it back up. So, yeah. It's going to be whoever is adaptive. I mean, guarantee you that weighed on the mind of these coaches that are leaving all of a sudden. They didn't want to deal with it. Yeah, it would be. I mean, I think for the big name coaches at the big name schools, there's going to be a lot of things that they have to worry about now. Um, you know, if you're a going to be a one and done basketball player at Duke and you could, you know, you could go to the the G League at this point. And make whatever, you know, a hundred some thousand dollars a year in the G League and then immediately be drafted out of there. You could go play in Australia 
or somewhere overseas for a year rather than going to college. But now these players who, quite frankly, I'm sure they love the college experience, especially as a big-name college athlete. Um, you know, I loved my time at Purdue, but I can't imagine how different it would have been, you know, had I been, you know, six eight, six nine, and a star on the Purdue basketball team. Um, you know, it's just a whole different world. And if you can tell a kid with that kind of talent, hey, you know, come to Duke for a year, we can guarantee you're going to make, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. I mean, we have no idea how much money these guys can make at a, at a school like Duke where there's basketball-obsessed people everywhere. Um, I think that's going to, like you said originally, it's going to create a divide. And I wonder if it's going to make the rich richer or if schools in smaller areas can get creative, if it'll actually create additional draws for other um, kind of mid-major or lower schools. I mean, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be a mixture of the two, right? We already have, there's already so many more advantages at Alabama compared to Alabama A&T. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> not going to change. Being one of them. It's just who is good at it is going to change a little bit because it's not just about having pedigree now. It's about being able to set up this future with these uh, players that are going to try to, you know, carve out a little for them. I think what we're going to see that'll be interesting, not just basketball-wise, not football-wise, I think you're going to see schools that might not be national powerhouses in certain things, but say like a community somewhere in the Northwest really wants to get into soccer, you might see this really small school be like, hey, we're going to get this woman's soccer team. We're going to run ads for them. We're going to get all this... Uh, publicity and money for them, and all of a sudden you're going to see just powerhouses out of nowhere. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, people love sports, they love winning, and, you know, we've seen people, especially those with disposable income, will basically put it toward anything if it can get them a little bit of glory, a little bit of happiness. So to be able to chip in, you know, 50, 100, 200, you know, whatever for your, maybe your sport of choice to help them become a powerhouse, I think a lot of people will do that. Yeah, and so I I think in general, this will bring money that was kind of in the shadows, boosters, everything else. I think it'll bring it out into the light, and I think that is always a positive. Yeah. However yeah, sun, that manifests. Yeah, sunlight is the best disinfectant. Hmm? So we will see. But did you happen to see the uh, the tweet, the paid tweet from the uh, Michigan State football kicker, Matthew Coughlin? Is that the one where he said... Uh, it sounds like not a bad podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those for those who don't know, there's a uh, – see, and this is getting them additional advertising. There's a l- podcast about Michigan State. It's called Locked on Spartans, and the they paid the Michigan State kicker. And here is his exact tweet. I'm going to read it verbatim. This is a paid tweet to tell you to listen to the Locked on Spartans podcast. I've never listened to it, but I'm sure it's not terrible. Hmm. And, and – that that tweet was viewed because he later tweeted out, you know, you can get your metrics from your tweets. It was viewed over one million times on Twitter. That That's the thing. These kids grew up in this generation. They know TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter. It is ingrained in them. They are going to be better and more creative at this than we could have ever imagined. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, they're they'll, going they'll to crush be us. sensational. Yeah. And I mean, not only just, you know, 1.1 million people saw it, but 57,285 people had engaged with the tweet. Now, I have no idea what the Lockdown Spartans podcast paid for that tweet. It was worth every penny. Not enough. It, yeah. 
yeah, whatever they paid him, it wasn't enough. So I think it's just going to be fascinating. I mean, I know in our chat, we, you and I were kind of disagreeing on what we thought some people could make. You thought some of these players could potentially make 70, 80, 90, $100,000 on this. Um, and I just don't know if that kind of money is going to be available, at least initially. I think people are just testing the waters. And I think right now, a lot of these players are probably not getting good value for what they're doing because they'll just snap up whatever anybody offers. So if that guy was offered, you know, 50 bucks for that tweet, he was like, yeah, 50 bucks, that's great. Whereas maybe, you know, based on those impressions and based on that engagement, it was probably worth a lot more. Uh, but right now, I think with, with no real data on what your tweet is worth, what your, uh, NIL is worth, I think these players are probably going to be underpaid for at least the time being. Totally possible. The market definitely hasn't set, but we're also in the off season. Once these kids start playing and, uh, everything's set up, I'm sure coaches are going to have some rules about that. Uh, you know, Painter usually has a, at least he used to have a Twitter yeah, band during the to. season. I yeah, don't he used think to. He got rid of that anymore. No. But I'm sure there's going to be coaches trying to do that. And, you know, you can't let them get distracted. You're still here for this. But, you know, if a kid has a really hot month, if they go on a tear in the tournament like Carson Edwards did. That's what I was just going to um, say. There's going to be opportunities. And it should be, I mean, it might be quick bucks, like big bucks, if it, you know, is enough to get on the national stage somewhere. It'll be, I'm, I'm interested to see if these deals are going to be more local or if there are actually going to be like national brands reaching out to some of the bigger names. So for, you know, you use Carson, Carson Edwards as the example, if this was around after he, you know, just went nuts in the NCAA tournament, would it be like, you know, Bob Rorman and Madden Mushroom are reaching out to him? Or is it going to be like Coke, uh, you know, an individual Nike deal or something? Uh, I just don't know. I, I don't know who would reach out and what kind of money that would be. But I think that's one thing we're going to have to look for and see how that progresses. I mean, it'll be both. And you got to think, I know we think of Nike as a, you know, global brand and it is, but they also like, they have salesmen that go to teams and stuff. Yeah. They advertise locally as well. So it's not like they're just spending national money. They will spend money to, you know, uh, have a kid camp and like put a player's name on it. Um, selling shoes to high school kids in the state. There's there's a lot of money out there, and for a long time it was going to everyone else. So yeah, yeah. I think some of the things I've seen that have have really interested me are I've seen players be like, "Hey, I'm setting up my own camp while I'm a student, and I'm getting paid for it." Or I saw someone on our team. It might have been it might Eric have been Hunter, Hunter was Hunter doing Jr. The, yeah, the he was doing we were a, talking a about. well, he, and he was doing I think virtual like drills with people okay. that they could sign up for. And I thought that was pretty interesting. It's a nice little way to, to earn a little extra cash on the side. I thought that was a really good idea. And another one that you're, I'm sure going to see a ton of, uh, including Purdue's very own Trevion Williams. He is on cameo now, so you can get a personalized video from Trevion Williams. And, uh, I'm sure he's not going to be the only big name college athlete on there. Yeah. I, there's so many avenues. Uh, that's why I think, you know, even if you get a little bit of the pie and you eat from like 500 pies, you're going to, you're going to fill your pocket pretty quick. That's a lot of pies. It's a lot of pies. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see where it goes. Um, 
But I think we will obviously we'll keep you updated if anything exciting or anything new happens or if we, you know, see anything numbers wise, because to me that that's one of the more fascinating things that I'm looking to actually see some hard data on. But I don't know how or who would be able to get that information. So um, that is something that we'll have to keep our eyes and ears open for. So before we head to the under 19 FIBA World Cup, let us take a break and hear from our sponsors. And we are back, and as promised at the top of the show, we've got one more topic before the recommendation. As you are probably well aware at this point, the FIBA Under-19 World Cup just wrapped up today, and Purdue had two players on the United States of America gold medal winning team. So, and uh, Zach Eady was on uh, Team Canada, was a bit of a beast, and uh, walked away with a bronze medal, so it, you know, he may have uh, may have been lucky to and gotten a silver if he had been on the other side of the bracket and didn't have to play the U.S. Uh, until the finals. But unfortunately, uh, they played each other in the semifinals, and that knocked Edie down uh, to the bronze medal game. So, uh, before we go into your thoughts, Casey, because I know you watched most of the games and you did a lot of the writing on the site, HammerandRails.com. Um, I have one question for you, and I think it might be a little tough. Who do you think had the better tournament, Jaden Ivey or Zach Eady? Zach Eady. It wasn't even. That's not oh, close. All right. It, it all wasn't right. close. Okay, tell me why. Tell me why. Uh, Zach Eady had a double double in every game but one. Uh, I believe he had 15 rebounds in every game but two. He was. Whenever the guards decided to give him the ball, was unstoppable inside. He never got benched for an entire second half of a game. Jay Ivey was uh, very good. Jay Nivey was very good, but on that Team USA team, he, he never really had a chance to show out what he could do compared to... Uh, Zach Eady was almost single-handedly responsible for uh, taking down Spain. Pretty much, they gave him the ball in the post over and over again in the second half to get a lead. And any time that he was the focal point of that offense, he looked like uh, the kind of player that just can't be contained at any level against some really good big men. whole lot of different styles of basketball. He had five blocks in the bronze game against Serbia. Uh, he is just a problem on the court. Uh, Ivy is similar in a lot of ways, but it's just he wasn't really given the opportunity. I don't know what exactly Coach Dixon was doing or... That's that's what I was going to ask you. Why do you think he wasn't given that opportunity? I know you mentioned he was benched for a large section of, uh, I believe the was it the gold? It wasn't the gold medal game. It was the silver medal game against. Okay. Right. Right. Well, yeah, not silver so, medal, but the right. semifinals. Se- yeah, semifinals. So, do you do you know of any reason um, why Ivy wasn't given that same opportunity? Did you see anything that maybe he was making mistakes, playing out of control? Well, I've uh, got, what was I, going on there? I've got a note here written during the Canada game. Uh, 57 to 56, Canada just made a double-digit run to get the game back within one. Um, and Ivy uh, grabbed the ball after their offense had been just super anemic. Um, beat his guy off the dribble, got to the rim, drew two free throws, made them both. Gave a little breathing room, reset the offense. He was immediately taken out and didn't play for the rest of the game. And how much time was you know how much time was left at that uh, point? More than five minutes in the third quarter. Okay. Oh wow. And you say he didn't play for the rest didn't of the game? Didn't play for the rest of the game, Lyndon. 
So he didn't play the entire fourth quarter. He did not. Wow, that is wild. Considering he, if I'm remembering the stats correctly, he was the leading scorer in the entire tournament, was he not? No. Oh, he, well, he, when he, he was at one point, maybe before the gold medal game. Uh, he was leading U.S. going into that game. Okay. Uh, Loft, okay. He ended up being the second highest scorer. Lofton took over after the last two games where Lofton, Lofton had a pretty beastly report, performance in the post. Okay. Uh, I it, it was honestly strange because uh, Ivy definitely got a little out of control just driving to the hoop, relying on his athleticism to get at the hoop and then kind of get caught at the rim and hung up. But the entire USA team full of guards was playing a lot of just... This is an all-star game. This is a showcase for me. Like, ah, that was yeah, rampant okay. all over, but, you know, Dixon definitely trusted his point guard, Miles, to play a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. A lot. Yeah, it looks time. like he had he had 30 minutes in the uh, final game against France. Yeah, so, and he's solid, but no one on the court could do what Ivy could do. Getting to the rim, his size, his athleticism. His defense was impressive. Uh, he had three steals in the championship game. A lot of them were just his athleticism was too much, and he would jump passing lanes, and then it would lead to a fast break. Usually a pretty spectacular dunk. So Ivy had a really, really good in terms of just showing that I think what happened this summer, Edie's going to get a lot more recognition going into college. But on this stage, Ivy did show himself as a lottery-type talent. Yeah, that's that's great news. Mm-hmm. So, look, obviously, we had one more player. Um, he was not the star of Team USA, but Caleb first. We were just pretty darn impressed that the guy made the team. Um, what did you learn about him? How did he look throughout this tournament? Really solid. I saw everything I wanted from him. You know, despite – you'll have a standout big guy for this USA team. It was Lofton in the post, who was this barrel – Barrel chested with a gut. Yeah, he was a big guy. I I'd never even heard of this guy. I didn't. I assumed it was Kenny Lofton's son. The baseball. I thought player. it was too. It's not. Um, but he was a big guy in the post. But this is a guard oriented tournament. Uh, yeah. All this international stuff is fast paced, putting up shots. Uh, it's and not he, a game. Edie was the Edie was the exception, not the rule. Yes. Yeah, so and even Edie didn't get the ball for long, long stretches. He only had. Uh, 12 points today, barely touched the ball. You just, these guards are not interested in making their bigs look good. They're not interested in efficient, slow post attacks. It's just not how it's played. Um, but the thing first really showed is he's so versatile. He can be really good on a lot of levels. Um, the thing I liked a lot because you know he's going to play some minutes with Trey. Williams, who is probably the best passing big man in a while in college sports, first really knows how to move and get open, and he can do damage at every level on the court. Good mid-range jumper, has a tight dribble, will attack the hoop. Good finisher at the rim, always has his eyes on the rim. You can't make a layup unless you see it. Um, He just knows how to move. He really gave Edie problems the few possessions they had where they were squared away. Edie loses his man a lot, and uh, first definitely recognized that. Got some open looks, got a layup, got a mid-range jumper. And just the fact that he does come with the pedigree as the man in high school, the best uh, high school player, he's not scared of getting the ball. He knows what to do with it right away. He makes quick decisions. Really good at boxing out rebounds. So he did all the side stuff that you want to see. Even though he has a pretty high ceiling, uh, to really be a good offensive player as well. So really happy with everything we saw from a kid who hasn't played 
any college ball in his life. Yeah, I mean, that all sounds pretty great. Um, because like I said, we, we were just impressed that this young man made the team given who he was up against and the, the fact that, like you said, he's not yet played uh, a second of college ball. So to see him make the team and, you know, contribute, uh, is, is great news for Purdue. And to, to add him into the mix of what is already going to be a pretty talented Purdue team, um, is, is going to make next year even more exciting. So at the end of the tournament, so they, they do the, of course, the all tournament team. Uh, Casey, did any player from Purdue make that team? You know what, Ledman? We had two. What? Out of five? Yeah. Two out of five, two out of the three people we sent. Uh, Jaden Ivy, obviously, and Zach Eady both, uh, represented. Uh, Team USA, Team Canada, but also Purdue standing up there as five of the best under-19 players in the world. That is just crazy. I it's, mean, it's good. It's very oh, good. Yeah, it's very good. I mean, I know we, we have high expectations of both Ivy and Edie going Oh, by the way, year. Edie is going to be starting on the bench. I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, because so, you're, you're certainly not going to start him over Trevion. Not to start off. He would have to really earn it, but... And yeah. and I and I know you you have this dream of playing them both on the floor quite I a do, bit, I but I, do. I just I don't know. I need to quite see a bit it. is a strong. I'm just like a couple minutes each half. Okay, all right. Well, I want to see it before uh, uh, I co-sign your your dream here. But <laughs> you know, the more the more either of those guys can be on the floor, the better it's going to be for Purdue. Absolutely, and Edie really, I mean just continues to progress you know he hasn't played much basketball and really you know, impressed. I, I might have heard that yeah. every single purdue game last year yeah but i mean it's it's fair to point it's out because you you yeah. watch him play and all of a sudden he's starting to read things before it happens and if you're you're seven foot four and you're gonna get tripled all the time it would be nice to know where to pass the ball before you do it and he had a really nice play where he saved an offensive rebound um might have been his own miss and he was kind of stuck in the baseline, falling back. And he had like three guys on him and he reached the ball over his head, quickly read the court, found an open guy on the perimeter, uh, and he nailed the shot. And that's kind of pass that Edie was definitely didn't make it the start of his freshman year. Yeah. Yeah. It's in seeing the growth in Edie. Like you said, he's, he's not played ball very long. It's it's going to be amazing to see what he can do next year and throughout his time at Purdue, given given the uh, improvement we've seen in just one year. So that is going to be very exciting to watch. It is. He's got he's got a lot of work to do on the defensive end still. Yeah, yeah. And luckily, you know, Purdue has other players who can maybe cover up some of those weaknesses from time to time. You can scheme around it a little bit, uh, but it's certainly an area that he needs to improve on, and I'm sure he knows that, um, and I'm sure Painter knows that as well, and uh, I would imagine they'll put in a lot of work during the rest of this offseason, but this was, of course, a great opportunity uh, that he could not pass up. Absolutely not. They're going to get back home. They're all going to get on campus, work together, and, you know, Edie, Trey, first, and Gillis, they're all going to work hard and make each other better through the summer. No no other campus is going to have better uh, big men battles, and that just makes them better. They're going to be game ready by the start of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's going to be any worry of uh, of a slow start for the 2021-2022 the Purdue Boilermakers. So do you have anything else on the under-19 that we need to know? We're just, like, making freaks now. <laughs> um, I, 
There's parts to Chet Hol- Holgram's game that I don't love. Uh, I don't. Well, think... I don't love that he looks like he's about seventy pounds, soaking wet. Yeah. Um. You know, he Durant looks, I mean, still looks, looks like that. Yeah, but it, Holmgren looks tinier than Jawan Johnson did when he came in as a freshman. Yeah, he's really small. Um, that's definitely something he's gonna have to work on. I don't think he. It, it's a weird case where his body is more fluid despite his insane length than his mind right now. Yeah, he. I mean, he's he's one of the lengthiest, lengthiest. <laughs> not really sure. Uh, players I've ever seen. Yeah, and his jump shot is pure. He doesn't know when to take it, which should be almost all the time. <laughs> right. Uh, he really passed up some shots that I thought he could have taken. But he's somehow smaller than Victor Wimbenyama. What I, a name. I, uh, the star for France, who fouled out, uh, also made the all-tournament team. Yeah, and who, by the way, is taller than Zach Eady, right? Uh, so his height says 7'2". He stood hot taller than Zach Eady, yeah, is what it looked yeah. like. Yeah, well, they had the picture of them on the all-tournament team. They had the five players standing there, and he was, and you know, unless it was a, a you know, perception issue based on where the photo was taken, but it sure looked like he was taller than Zach Eady. Yeah, and he's got about eight-foot uh, wingspan. Whew. Can shoot, can dribble. He <laughs> He had the ball in the corner, made a pump fake half turn, and then fadeaway jumper. And he's like eight feet tall. That's that's a good skill set. Humans aren't supposed to do that. And, no. I mean, he will be the number one pick into two or three years whenever he goes. So it's really fun to see our guys compete against that and beat them. So I, yes. I, it's, I, I think international basketball is very frustrating on this level. It's How not, so? It just... You don't have long enough to install a system the way yeah, like okay. these do with Coach Painter. Also, these kids are out there on the stage. They want to make it, you know, a good showing for them. I yeah, just don't. Yeah. But, Try uh, to make a name for yourself. Yeah. So I just think the basketball isn't as pure, as great as it could be, but some of these kids are remarkable. And yeah. we have two guys that stood out every game they were on the court. So yeah. I feel good about that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to walk away from this feeling anything but ecstatic for for next season. There there wasn't a player in the tournament that had a better first step than Ivy, or better again to the rim. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. close. And and it's not like there are too many players in college basketball right now who are going to be better than that either, regardless of age. So it's very it's very exciting. It's, it's a good place to be, and I really want the basketball season to just yeah. get here. Yeah, me too. Me too. So... That sounds like we, uh, we've got a lot to look forward to next year. We're very excited coming off this under 19 gold medal for the USA and the bronze for Zach Eady and, uh, Team Canada. So we end the show always with a recommendation. Uh, we think it might be my week. Again, I had to take two weeks off, so we're throwing it all out of the wind. Um, but I have a recommendation and it's not going to be, I heard you guys trashing my highfalutin recommendations <laughs> in the last podcast too. So, this is going to be a television show that is on Peacock, uh, so it's only streaming, um, but uh, I, I thought it was very good. It's from the group uh, uh, Tina Fey and Robert Carlock are involved. They're the people that did um, 30 Rock, and they're the people that did Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, the name of this show is Girls 5 Eva. Have you ever heard of it? No. Uh, yeah, I hadn't either. Um my wife actually was the one who who 
heard of it. I'm not even sure how, uh, and suggested we, we watch it. So the premise of the show is it's a group of, uh, obviously five women, hence the five Eva, um, women who were a, a girl group in the nineties. They had one hit. They were a one hit wonder. And then, you know, they just faded away. And this takes place in present day. So 2020, 21. Um, I'm not sure exactly because I don't know when they filmed their, but, uh, so takes place in the present day and these people are just kind of like living their lives uh after being in this girl group and it's about them trying to reunite and get back together um and the cast is just fantastic it's got um you know actual singer sarah Bareilles uh is the star uh busy phillips is uh one of the singers uh renee elise goldsberry who you may know as uh, one of the stars of hamilton on broadway okay. and it's and it's got um Ashley Park, who I'm probably the only person who's going to know this, but she actually originated one of the roles in Mean Girls on Broadway. So uh, she is very good. And uh, it's a, got the – go ahead. On a scale of The Office cringe to Brooklyn Nine-Nine wholesome, where does it – Oh, it's definitely more wholesome than cringe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because it's really – I mean it's really a show about like these women finding themselves – and like realizing that it doesn't have to be all about the fame. They can just enjoy being with each other and they all have different paths they want to take. Like, you know, they, they fall into different stereotypes of one of them is like a fame hunter. One of them is just like the, the dumb one. And one of them, you know, is the one that is not the pretty one anymore. So, um, it's, it's a pretty fun little show and Tina Fey does pop up, which I love Tina Fey and pretty much anything she does. So, if you're interested in Tina Fey, if you liked 30 Rock, if you liked Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, this is definitely something I'd recommend. Uh, so it's Girls 5 Eva, and you can find it on Peacock. All right, sounds good. And the the theme song alone is full of dumb, terrible puns. So I loved that. Uh, that was that was worth the price of admission for me. So how good was the intro scene in Black Widow? Oh, it was it was fantastic. I mean, from the i think it was like what 12 minutes long something like that mm-hmm. it was very good uh there's another recommendation for you bonus rec. yeah bonus recommendation i watched it uh, i actually bought it on disney plus the premiere access um you know with a kid at home now and we just moved so we don't really have a babysitter around or anything like that so it was like we're not going to be able to get to the theater so we just bit the bullet and paid the it ended up being like thirty one dollars and seventy three cents I think after tax so it it was worth it it's a great it was a great ride uh, a fun movie so I definitely recommend that as well double wreck on that well there you go all right so for Casey and myself make sure to rate review and hammer that subscribe button we want to make sure to uh, get out there get the word out so uh, till next time boiler up everybody. We are